0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, senior minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today.
1: Our scripture reading this morning is James chapter three, verses one through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of God for all God's people. Thanks be to God.
0: Would you pray with me? O Lord, outside the walls of this place, the winds may howl and the rains may fall and the storms of life may threaten to send us under. But in this place, we sing your praises, we lift our petitions, offer our thanks and we hear your word read and proclaimed. During this hour, O Lord, open our ears and touch our hearts, so that we would hear and know through all parts of worship who you would have us be and what you would have us do. But O Lord, transform our souls so that we would leave this place going forth into the world not hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So growing up in the 70s, TV was kind of limited, and especially if on Saturday nights when your parents were about to go out of town and the dog chewed through the TV cable. Now, our dog had a habit of doing that on a weekly basis. I mean, the dog seemed to know when mom and dad were going out and that we would have a babysitter who would then be stuck with two boys at home and very limited TV options. How limited, you ask? Let's start like this. Once the cable was cut through, once the the tears and the weeping and gnashing of teeth had happened, the realization set in that it was the Lawrence Welk Show and hee-haw. Now, those of you who don't remember Hee Haw, Hee Haw was that, remember it was that Southern sort of country variety show with country music, picking and grinning, and all kinds of fun skits. And one of my favorite skits, because I saw the show enough, was when the gossip girls got to come on. And they would either be around the wash tubs or they would be out in the cornfield and they sang a little ditty that went something like this. Now, we're not ones to go around spreading rumors. No, we're not the gossiping kind. Oh, you'll never hear us repeating gossip. So you better listen up the first time. Yeah, you laugh, but that would happen. And then of course they would take, you know, fictitious cornfield County. They would then tell stories about who was dating who and who got their tractor stuck in what field and who did this and who did that. And there was always this sort of tongue in cheek gossip that they told And then they would end with that song again, and they would move on to another skit. And it was a lot of fun. And I think we took relish in that skit, those of us that really understood what we were talking about, because it reminded us of our lives. Boy, we sure like to repeat those stories, don't we? Who's dating who? Who did what fool thing where? We like to tell those stories. It's kind of schmaltzy, I'll admit. It's kind of of weak, but there's a real lesson in that. You see, when we repeat gossip or when we say things, sometimes our own insecurities come out. We like to repeat it because it makes us feel better because our lives don't, or, you know, they pale in comparison to other people's disasters. Or sometimes we find ourselves saying mean-spirited and vile things not because we want to do anything other than to hurt someone or make ourselves feel better. And it begins to get me thinking, Realize how much conflict in our world gets started because of the things we say from our mouths. Little digs, repeating gossip, little mean-spirited things that we say sometimes stir things up and get everybody all up in arms. See, James recognized the danger that our words have When he's writing to the early church, he recognized some of the difficulties that we have in loving neighbor as ourselves starts with us. It starts with the words that we say. Our, Our words, our mouths, our tongues, as James said, sort of are a window to our soul. They tell of our human condition. You know, we heard as kids, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt them. But think about it. Our parents told us this, and we tell us to our kids so that they will be insulated and might have a little bit of armor from those words, but really when we're honest with ourselves, even though the words aren't supposed to hurt us like the sticks and stones that fly do, sometimes, more often than not, they hurt worse, don't they? The pain of those words still lasts long after they, they echo has died. The pain is still there. So sometimes though words may never hurt us, so they say. In reality, they can set the world on fire, can't they? Our mouths can get us in more trouble, can do more damage than we necessarily intend. So we've got to be careful what we say, don't we? See, I think if God calls us to love each other and to love our neighbors as ourselves, then we've got to find out how we rein our tongues in, how we control what we say. And James was sort of admonishing the folks in the early church for that. And I think what he was trying to help us figure out is how do we do that? How do we do it so that the words that we say don't set the world on fire? And I think there's a lesson in here for us. Maybe sometimes we just don't need to say anything at all. And if we've got to speak, then make sure that we speak only the good. And then to make sure that we've backed all of that up, that we anchor our hearts in God's goodness. Don't say it at all. Speak only the good and have a good heart. Now, if you think about it. Think of the world of social media trolls, you know, where someone posts a picture, and then someone else, because it can be anonymous in the social media world, sort of choms back in, and of course, it's a, definitely a barb. it's definitely a negative. Or you've got the vitriol that we hear on TV or in the community, gossip that happens around the water cooler, or bullying in our schools, or even very passionate differences of opinions that sort of shut down any kind of dialogue, and it becomes armed camps, if you will. That's what the world outside these walls is like. Well, what would happen? Think about it. Think about the profound difference that you and I would make, the way that we would change the world around us if sometimes we just kept our mouths shut. And if we had to speak, we spoke only the good and we anchored our hearts in God's goodness. Which got me pondering some more. Why do we sometimes get ourselves in trouble? Why do we get ourselves in trouble? Why do we let our mouths speak for us and get ourselves in trouble and cause pain that we didn't intend to? Sometimes it's because we can't get our emotions in check. We let our emotions get the best of us and we just run off at the mouth. We just go off half cocked. There's stress at work or there's pressure at school or we have our own insecurities. And so that allows us in that moment when it just builds that we just sort of explode and say whatever comes to mind. And so we say, it doesn't matter who we're saying it to, we may explode on our children or our friends or our spouses, even our coworkers or our parents. And we do that and we and they sort of catch the brunt of it. Yeah, we're angry at the moment at them, but they're really getting all of the other anger lumped into one because that pressure has been building up and we vent and we explode inappropriately upon those we care the most about. Sometimes we're mad and sometimes we're hurt and we just want to fight back. And so in a moment of sheer immaturity, we use the only weapon we have. If someone's inflicted pain on us, we're going to inflict it back. So we'll say something just as mean or vile back to them. But yet we serve a God who calls us to be better than that, don't we? We serve a God who loves us and says, you are my children and you're better than that. I think of a few years back in Bible school, I was assigned to the fourth and fifth grade class for a day. I'm not really sure how that happened. It was not a match made in heaven. Let's just leave it at that. And this class was really energetic and they had, it's probably why, and they had a bunch of boys that were energetic in the back and a bunch of girls up front that chatted all the time. And I can remember trying to figure out how was I going to do the lesson for the day. And then I had an idea. So I brought some supplies from home and I said, I've got an exercise and I need some help. I need some really strong people to help me. The two boys in the back that were always picking each other, always talking, not listening to a thing any of us said in Bible school. They're raising their hands. Ooh, 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 pick me, pick me. Oh, did I pick them? And I brought them up front and I said, now here's the deal, boys. I've got these two tubes of toothpaste and these two plates. I want you to squeeze every drop of toothpaste out of these tubes. Oh, their eyes lit real big. I said, you're going to have to be really strong. Well, they puffed themselves up. They got all excited. I mean, fifth grade boys, they're all excited about this. They unscrewed the caps. And I mean, they're squeezing the toothpaste tube and this sort of ringing method. And then they stripped it down the middle. Now, I don't know about you. Side note, I really hate paying for something that I can't use. I can't stand to get to the end of the toothpaste tube. And I know there's a little bit more in there these are the guys you want if you're like me. They got every bit of toothpaste out of that tube. They were so proud of themselves. They were smiling. They were sort of, you know, pumping each other up and they had these two piles of crest on a plate, two empty tubes. And I said, no, we're not done yet. Ooh, their eyes lit up. I thought, what are we going to do next? I said, I want you to put it all back. (laughs) Huh? They looked at me like I thought I'd, I'd lost my ever loving mind. And I said, put it all back. I wanted you to get every drop of that toothpaste back in the tube. And they said, it's not possible. And I said, you're right. It's not. And that's how it is with our words. Once they're out of our mouths, we can't take them back. We can ask for forgiveness. We can admit our wrongdoing, but once they're out of our mouths, we can never take them back. We learned as children, all of us learned some variation of this. If you can't say something nice, what? Don't say anything at all. We learned that as children. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And if we really want to live our faith, if we want to do the most loving thing, if we want to love our neighbors ourselves, then we've got to work hard just not to say it if it isn't nice. That's the lesson that James was trying to teach the early Christians. If you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. Now, mind you, the world is tempted to be like Weezer, that character in still Magnolias who wants to look at you and say, well, if you can't say something nice, come sit by me. The world said, we all laugh about that. The first time I heard that line, I thought that was hysterical. But then you start to think about this. That wasn't because she was trying to be nice. She wasn't trying to give you a, a place of safety and protection. She still wanted you to tell her, because guess what? She'd be glad to repeat it for you. You see, if we can't say something nice, we shouldn't say anything at all. But the better question is, if we're called to love each other, if we're called to build up the kingdom of heaven, then we're also called to build each other up, which means we need to find something to say. So imagine if we tried to find something to say to a world that was hurting, if we decided to speak only the good. Now think about this with me. When you're walking down the street, you're walking into a room, you're meeting with your friends, your coworkers, your fellow classmates at school, and you walk in and someone gives you a compliment. That's a nice outfit you have on. Ooh, I like what you've done to your hair. Oh, that presentation you did yesterday was really wonderful. You did a good job on this. When someone gives you that kind of a compliment, it sort of lifts you up, doesn't it? It sort of puts a spring in your step, right? Imagine how the world feels if we do that. Imagine what would it be like if we walked down the street, when we ran into people that we saw, if we just smiled at them and said, hello, it's good to see you. Think of the impact that could have. Or if it's not just in the compliment side, if you've got to say something, if you're in the midst of conflict, and we know how conflict goes, we like to get at arms with each other. Imagine with me, if you will, that before you went right back at somebody who said something mean to you, if you took a breath and said, you know we disagree. You make me angry. That hurt my feelings. What if you said something like that, and instead of coming right back at him and saying, oh, you called me that, I'm going to call you this. Imagine what happens if all of a sudden we take the conflict and we take the air out of it by choosing to speak in calm, helpful, direct, but loving terms. What if we said that makes me angry. I don't like it when you do, Or we obviously disagree, let's figure out a way through this. It changes the whole nature in the room, doesn't it? Or what if in no matter what situation you're in, you find something positive and you name it for the group? See, the game with the Weezers of the world is they want you to tell what you don't want to say because they'll be glad to repeat it for you. But if we really wanna control what we say, if we really wanna tame our tongues, if we really wanna change the world by loving our neighbors, then not only do we not say it, whatever it might be, but we think about the good things to say. So don't say the negative, don't say the, the vitriol, don't say the anger, but say only positive things, say things that are good, say things that will help the situation. Because if our words reflect the conditions of our heart, then the best way that we can manage, the best way we can mitigate the damage, is to be focused on those two things, but also focus on what's inside us. Focus on tuning our heart to the good, tuning our heart to what God says for us, what God wants for us and for our world. Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu, in his speaking to the world post apartheid, said these words, our world is hungry for goodness, And while that was some years ago, I still think it applies to this day. I think our world hungers to hear good news. Our world hungers for goodness amongst its peoples. And so goodness can come in the form of encouragement. It comes in the ways that we act and the way that we speak and the attitude that we carry. This goodness comes when we seek the good and we seek God in everything around us and we seek the best for each other. See, when we have a good heart, a heart that's focused on that kind of good, on the good that God provides for you and for me, when we're focused like that, the world takes notice. The encouragement that we offer helps the world succeed. A few years ago, Scott Adams tells this story. He said he was watching a TV show, a a documentary on PBS on cartooning. And uh, the, the um, moderator, the, the narrator was a guy by the name of Jack Cassidy. And Jack was talking all about this. And as, the, end, as the, the documentary comes to a close, he said, you know, in this day and time, the good cartoonists are all getting out of the business. They're all retiring and passing away. He said, we need new cartoonists. We need good cartoonists. If you out there or someone watching this, and you think those little doodles that you make on the side margins of your notepads in class or in meetings, are fun and people might be interested in them. He said, draw them up on bigger bigger sheets of paper, send them to people, try, apply, we need new people. Scott Adams was looking at some of the doodles that he used to do on his sketch pad at his work. And he thought, I might have this. I might be good enough to do this. I kind of like this, I'm old and so he took his drawings and he drew them up bigger and he sent them to Jack Cassidy and he said, what do you think? Do you think I have it in me to be a cartoonist? You know what the industry's like. And Jack wrote him a letter back. He said, you definitely have got skills. You definitely have potential. He said, send it to these companies, these syndicated groups. He said, but don't be surprised if they reject you because they do that to everybody the first time out of the gate. That's a positive feeling, isn't it? You know, let's apply, but we know they're gonna tell you no, but keep applying. It's like butting your head against a wall. But he says, keep doing it. He said, keep applying. He said, keep it up because you've got real potential. Well, Scott Adams did just that. He sent his drawings off to several companies. He got the obligatory, we thank you, but we're not interested letters. He got rejection after rejection and after a while he lost heart. But about a year later, he got another letter from Jack Cassidy. Jack said, I don't know how it's turned out for you, but I pulled out your drawings again the other day and I think you've got real potential. I hope if you have given up that you won't quit but draw some more drawings, send another round again, stay after it because you've got real potential. Trust me, I can see it. Well, that was all Scott Adams needed to hear again. And so he got out his sketch paper and he started drawing some more, sent them all back to the same people again. And you know what happened, don't you? Somebody took the bait. And so now today, 700 newspapers start their day in the funny paper sections where Dilbert and his pointy haired boss fight it out in the cubicle land every day. Scott Adams is a cartoonist that entertains many of us, all because one person kept speaking words of encouragement to him. Who do we know? Who do we know in our lives that needs a word of encouragement today? needs a word of encouragement that are on the right path, that they're doing the right things, that they can make it that they are good enough. Where in our world would words of encouragement make an impact? I don't mean just affect people, but make a deep impact, change lives. See, if we set our hearts on doing that kind of goodness, we set our hearts on loving our neighbors as ourselves, reaching out and helping each other, then guess what happens? Our words will follow. Our words will follow our hearts. So friends, here's where we are today. Right here, right now, we know what we need to do, don't we? If we can't say something nice, don't say it. Find a way to say something that's good and anchor our hearts in God's love and God's goodness. That's what we need to do. But if you're like me, you know what's going to happen. You're going to walk out the doors, you're going to get in your car, and somebody's going to cut you off. What are you going to say? Or, if you're lucky enough to get home, something else is going to get you sort of worked up and torqued up, and you're going to get tempted to go off half-cocked. Or you're going to speak your mind without your heart connected to it. Or you're even tempted to repeat that juicy bit of news you heard last night talking with your friends. But remember, if we're to do what God said, love our neighbors as ourselves, then where the rubber meets the road outside the walls of this church, then we've got to Say nothing if we can't say something nice. We've got to try to speak the good every day in every situation. And if we anchor our hearts on God's goodness, guess what? We can do it. We can speak the good, the words of encouragement that our world needs to hear. And if we watch the world around us ever so slightly, we will see it change for the betterment of all of us